God is not a vending machine. It was the title of a book that I came across as a kid in church. And I was shocked, I tell you, shocked. God is not a vending machine? I was pretty certain that I had used the vending machine called God. I could see my vending machine right there in front of me. I stood before it and behind the glass, instead of Snickers bars and mini pretzels, there was my science test with an A+. There was my English exam, A+. There was my math test, A+. There was a puppy wriggling in that one over there. And I put in my prayers in the prayer slot, and down came the puppy. It changes as you get older. The things in the vending machine behind the glass, a mortgage at a good rate, the diploma, a promotion, an easier to take care of cat. This transactional understanding of prayer often seems to be supported by the biblical text. Ask and you shall receive. And if at first your prayers do not succeed, pray, pray again. And then one day, we put our prayer into that vending machine, and what we pray for doesn't come out. And I don't know if you're like me, but I've tried. And I put the prayers in, and they go clink. And I put the prayers in, they go clink. Shake the machine. Pound on the glass. And if what we want doesn't come out, maybe prayers don't work. Maybe God is broken. Maybe the vending machine is just broken. And that's a good thing. Teach us how to pray. Jesus' disciples ask him, how do you do it? I'm sure that they had seen Jesus criticize people who were praying. The Pharisees who stand in front of everybody and say great big long prayers so that everybody can see how religious they are. They don't want to be like that. How do you pray, Jesus? Do you stand or do you kneel? Do you bow your head or do you look up to heaven? How do you understand the heart of God? And how do you get your heart to beat with the heart of God? How do you pray? I think they genuinely want to know. So Jesus gives them words to say, those beautiful words of the Lord's Prayer. And then Jesus tells them some stories about God. Now this first parable is completely convoluted. There are so many pronouns in this story that it is difficult to figure out what Jesus is trying to say. But I think what he's saying is, 
if unexpected guests arrive at your house at midnight and you have nothing to feed them, go to your neighbor. Wake him up if you have to. He will give you what you need because hospitality is an absolute must. Hospitality, welcoming the traveler, was how people survived. And it's still how people survive. They needed food, they needed water, and you knocked on a door and someone was there to welcome you. Even a terrible neighbor would finally get up and give help because that was the code. And Jesus is saying, our God is a hospitable God. Our God is a God of hospitality. And if a terrible neighbor understands this, how much more will a good and gracious God be there for you at midnight? Now the word for persistent, the keep putting the prayers in, keep putting the prayers in, don't stop praying. Pray and pray and pray again. That word persistence in the Greek may be better translated shamelessness. So there's a sense here of come with your shameless prayers at midnight. For God cannot be shamed. Our God is never ashamed to give us what we need, to hear our prayers in all of their ugliness, in all of their gory details, in all of their amazement. Our God is not ashamed. So be honest. Tell the truth. God is there. Jesus tells another parable, you who would never give your child a snake if they needed a fish to eat, or a scorpion if they were hungry, just wanted an egg, how much more will your gracious God give you the gift of God's very own presence, the Holy Spirit? When we ask for God's presence, we receive it. When we seek God, God is there. When we knock on the door of God's heart, God answers always, I am with you. Anne Lamott says, prayer means that in some unique way, we are invited into a relationship with someone who hears us when we speak or in silence. Prayer is sometimes our real selves trying to communicate with the real truth, with light in capital letters. It is reaching out to be heard and hoping to be found by light and warmth in a world instead of darkness and cold. I want to thank you all for praying for my mom. As many of you know, she suffered a heart attack. 25 years ago, which took out the majority of the heart muscle. And we give thanks every day that she has lived all of these years. But now she is approaching more difficulties. She falls down a lot. 
She's slowing down. And we've all had a tendency to go back to that vending machine and look in the box and say, cure for imbalance. No more fall. Caregivers. Well, we did push that button, caregivers, again and again and again and out dropped May. Now, when I was in Minnesota this summer, I got to meet May. And before I even met May, I don't remember if it was my sister who came and told me. She said, now, just be prepared. May has as many piercings as she has teeth. And this woman has tattoos all up and down her arms. And I thought to myself, oh, dear Lord, my conservative Midwestern parents, mm-hmm. But I tell you, this woman loves my mom and dad, and they love her. And I got a teacher. Because it's hard to take care of somebody because we want them to do what we want them to do. And sometimes they just can't do it. And it's frustrating. I watched May give herself to my mom in such loving patience. And I was able to do it. I was able, by the end of my two weeks there, I was able to step back and be able to say, this is about her and not about me. And it made it a lot easier. Now, I know I had pushed the button on caregiver, but I got Jesus. And this is the part that doesn't really work about the vending machine God. I mean, yes, sometimes we push the button and it comes out. And I don't pretend anymore to have a coherent or consistent theology of prayer. But I tell you this. God doesn't want to have just a transactional relationship with us. Put in the prayer, out pops what we want. Put in the prayer, out pops what we want. God wants a transformational relationship with us, and that is about so much more. Because the transactional, even though it's two ways, it doesn't go very deep, and there's so much more to prayer. Like gratitude where we give our prayers to God and we don't want anything back. We just want to say thank you. Or we're in awe of that gorgeous sunset over North Long Lake, night after night, and is not our shock, our awe in that moment, a prayer? 
and those anxieties that sit just below the surface in the sighs too deep for words, and we're not even articulating them as prayers. Those are prayers. And what about the prayers when we listen to the news? Just got to say one line. Sometimes the anger you feel at the racism, that's a prayer. The vending machine is all burst open. And that's the illusion that we live under, that it's about us and what we're doing. It's all about God and what God's doing. And it's meeting May and knowing God's love is there and having that relationship where the love just washes over your heart and your soul and we become more awake to the presence that's all around us. The spiritual truth is that God is always here for us, whispering in our ears, knocking on the door of our hearts, showing up in the middle of the night, catching our eye with the cardinal that flitters by. I want to take two minutes for us all to pray. Now you can pray by opening up the Bible and reading words. Or you can pray by reading your hymnal and remembering the tune. Or you can pray just by sitting in silence. You can pray by looking at the beautiful stained glass windows. You can pray by holding the hand maybe of the person who's next to you. You can pray and just listen to your breath or the sounds of the community of faith around you. I'm gonna set the timer on my iWatch and we're just going to pray.
Amen.